0: I'm so excited this morning to be sharing with you what I believe is an anchor message that can literally radically transform your life if you're open to it. Amen? How many of you know that when a word is preached, the effectiveness of the word, it's not just about the anointing on the person delivering it, but it's about the ground, the soil that that seed is being sown into. Amen. So, I want to share with you this morning on the subject, understanding stewardship. Understanding stewardship. I believe that when Christians have this revelation concerning the mystery, and it's a mystery, of stewardship, everything will change in your life. Everything. Everything changes. Some of you might have read my book on kingdom wealth, and one of the main things I teach is that... Kingdom wealth, wealth in the kingdom, is not so much about ownership as it is about stewardship. Amen? When you catch this and it gets into your spirit, everything changes. I loved that song that we did, that last song. I think it's the J.J. Heston song. Um, you deserve it. You deserve the glory. My hallelujah belongs to you. All things are His. When we have this revelation, everything Changes. Please say to the person next to you, everything changes. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 19 to 20. 19 to 20. It says here, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That is such a powerful statement there. You are not your own. You are not your own. I do not belong to myself. Let me take it a bit deeper. How many of you have ever done some house sitting for someone? If I go to Pastor Taffy's house and I'm house-sitting for him, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to find out from him, how do I use these buttons here? Not so. It's not my house, it's his house. How do I use all these buttons? Which one is the panic button? Which one is the alarm? And if I don't ask him those things, there's no other way of me knowing. Is everyone following He's the owner. If I go, I'm going as a steward and I'm looking after what belongs to him and his wife on his behalf. You see, when you have a revelation of stewardship, you begin to understand that me and you, you and I, we belong to God. And when we manage our own lives, we have to look to him and say, how do you want me to manage that which belongs to you? My body, Lord, is yours. How do you want me to manage it? Is everyone following? If you come and house it for me, you're going to have to ask me, so what do you feed your dogs? You can't just feed our dogs anything. One of them, the new one, is a puppy. And there's certain things it eats, and there's certain things it's not supposed to eat. Amen? So you will say to me, Paul, where are all the lights? What time do I have to switch them on? Where's the thing for the giza? Do you switch on and off your giza, or do you leave it on all the time? Paul, what about these buttons? There are four of these different buttons. Which one is for the outside beams? Which one is the panic one? Which one is for the alarm for the inside? Now, if you think you're clever, and you think that because you're a clued up, smart, technical person, and you come and you just do whatever you want, MonitorNet will be phoning you all the time. Amen? Saying, what's the problem? When we have a revelation that all things belong to God and we here on earth are stewards, everything changes. Concerning this church, I'm a steward. You heard me when I was praying earlier on. I said, Lord, these are your people, not my people. I know when I was at the wedding the other day, I was joking with some of you and I was saying, my people, my people. You know, there's some politicians who like saying that, right? Right? My people, you are God's people. And you know how Paul the Apostle describes himself in Scripture? He says, we are, we, as as an Apostle, he describes himself, he says, I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. Isn't that powerful? So there are mysteries that belong to God, and we are stewards of those mysteries. So when I come and I preach this morning, I'm a steward and I have to do it with such reverence, such understanding that, you know what, Lord, these are your people. Let me seek you, Lord, so that whatever I deliver to them this morning is from you, because these are your people. Whatever I feed the people has to be from you. If you come and house it for me, you can't just feed my dogs whatever you want, whatever you feel like. Because they'll end up with runny tummies, and you're the one who's going to have to clean it up. Amen? I mean, if you know that in the body of Christ today, we've got a lot of people with spiritual diarrhea because of what they're being fed. Are you following me? One of the things I love about some of the the pastors in this church is they take it very seriously when they have to deliver a message. I was with uh, Pastor Michael on Friday and he was just telling me what his schedule is like. He was telling me which day he uses to prepare his sermons. And then he says on Saturday night, I go through my sermon again just to make sure everything is coherent when it comes to doctrinal purity. That everything, just making sure it's all according to the word of God because it's a responsibility. Amen? Or do you know Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? If I ask you to look after my car for me, if I have to go abroad, and I say, can you take me to the airport, but you looking after my vehicle for these two weeks, you're going to have to ask me questions like, what type of fuel does it take? Because if you put petrol in, there'll be problems, because it takes low sulfur diesel. Amen? When you're looking after something that belongs to someone else, you do it differently. And how you look after my vehicle will determine whether you can use it again next time. Have you noticed that there's some people you lend them something, and sometimes you don't even give them the feedback. You just vote with your feet. You're just like, ah, maybe not next time. (laughs) There's some people you say, can you house it for us, please? And they come and they house it for you. And then they shouldn't be surprised when they never asked again. Amen? Do you know that that's the same way God works? Everything in the kingdom is to do with stewardship, ladies and gentlemen. And God has given us a stewardship over certain things. He gives you finances and he says, here, with this little I've given you, use it faithfully. If you don't use it faithfully, sometimes he can vote with his feet. And he passes you by and he blesses someone else because he knows this person will use it for my kingdom agenda. And you're there crying out saying, God bless me, God bless me. He says, I function on the spiritual principle of stewardship. For some of you, you should stop praying for financial breakthrough. Just stop praying for financial breakthrough. Rather pray for strength that God helps you to be a good steward of the little he has given you. You see, there are mysteries in the kingdom of God, and when we apply these mysteries into our lives, it's amazing the breakthrough we have. Some of you should stop praying like, Lord, I want your power to flow through me. I want your power to flow through me. He's parked off there saying, I've already given you certain spiritual gifts. How are you using that which I gave you? Lord, I want to grow in the prophetic. Anoint me in the prophetic. All those prophetic words I've given you, what have you done with them? Are you praying for people? and seeing things, and then sharing those words with them. That's how you grow in spiritual gifts. That's how you grow financially. Amen? And then when you are praying after being a faithful steward, the nature of your prayer changes. You say, God, even as we were faithful with that which you gave us, we stand on your promise that as we give, it will come back to us, pressed down, running over. Amen? You're now standing on the promise, but you have applied yourself to his word. I'm going to be doing a series soon on, how, on, on, on prayer, School of Advan- Advanced Prayer, and I've spoken to you about it. And the first part is going to be to do with how to get results in our prayer. Prayer that gets results. There are a lot of prayers we pray, but we're honestly wasting our time. We're wasting our time because we haven't applied the principle of stewardship. So what is a steward? What is a steward? The dictionary defines a steward as a person entrusted with the management of estates and affairs, not his own. An administrator. So you're administrating something on behalf of someone else. Is everyone getting this this morning? Okay, the New Testament word that's translated steward basically means the manager of a household or household affairs. If you look at that word manager, it's the same word as handle. So when we say, I need to just handle some things, we're talking about I need to manage certain things, okay? And it's actually very powerful because you're managing someone else's household. And here in the scripture, what has God just said? He said, basically, your body is the Holy Spirit's house. Your body is the Holy Spirit's temple. And elsewhere in scripture it tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So I have to say, Holy Spirit, if this body belongs to you, how do you want me to carry your house? Is everyone following? Because I'm a steward of something that doesn't belong to me. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you purchase something and then the previous owner who you've just bought it from wants it back or acts like it's still theirs? How many of you have been in that situation? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. All right. How many of you have been in that situation where someone gives you something or you purchase it from them and then afterwards you you almost feel like they, they actually feel they made a bad decision and they want it back? We've been in that situation, okay, some time back. And then the person started twisting things. And so I no, I didn't really give it to you. I was just lending it to you. Do you know that many of us are like that when it comes to God? Because you see, the blood of Jesus was not just for washing away our sin. The blood of Jesus was to redeem us. And the word redeem means to buy back. With his precious blood, he bought you and I back. We belonged to him initially. Our lives were ceded over to the devil because we didn't know Christ. We were born in sin. We didn't know Christ. And when we were of that age of innocence, of moral innocence, right, we, we, we grew out of that. And when we were able to then make a decision for Jesus, we didn't. Right? So he, he bought us back. And now we are in Christ, but sometimes we live our lives as if we belong to ourselves or we belong to the devil. Is everyone following? Here's my question to you, ladies and gentlemen. How different would your life look if you walked every single minute, every single hour, every single day with the revelation that you don't belong to yourself you belong to him are there things you would pray about that you aren't currently praying about are there decisions you would make which you aren't currently making is everyone following this morning i love what paul says first corinthians Chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. One of the key things about being a steward is faithfulness. You see, you cannot talk about stewardship without talking about accountability. A steward has to be accountable. I cannot preach to you about stewardship without also preaching to you about accountability. If you house sit for me, at some point I'm going to come back and I'm going to check, is everything fine? If I lend you my vehicle, at some point when I get back into that car, I'm going to check, is it clean? Is it fine? Is anything broken? How many of you have rented a car before? When you travel somewhere and you rent a car. What's one of the big things that happens? Before they give you the vehicle, they check it. When they get the vehicle back from you, they check it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the same with Father God. He's given you this wonderful life. He's given you these wonderful gifts. And the Bible tells us something very powerful. The Bible says, it is destined for every man to die once. And then afterwards comes the judgment. You see, as a Christian, as a believer, you're not going to experience the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is to do with people going to heaven or hell. So you're already destined for heaven. Amen? But what you're going to experience is what the scripture calls the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where there's judgment and there's accountability concerning the use of what he gave you. Amen? Amen. Let me just say something else. When we talk about stewardship, we apply it to all of life. So usually when we preach on stewardship, we talk about stewardship of your time. How did I use the gift of time that the Lord gave me? Because it belongs to Him. Amen? Teach us, Lord, to number our days so that we have wisdom. I'll share with you the scripture just now. We talk about stewardship of our talents. How did I use the talents and the gifts that the Lord gave me? Right? We also talk about stewardship of our finances. But it's, it's way more than that. Paul the Apostle talks about stewardship of the mysteries of God that he gives you. He also talks about stewardship of the divine grace of God. And the context there, he's basically talking about um, not just unmerited favor, but he's basically talking about empowerment to do great things. You know when someone says, you know what, she is graced to do A, B, C, D. You can see she's not functioning in the natural. There's a grace, there's an anointing for that. We're a steward of that anointing. How do you know you're anointed to do something? It's easy for you to do it. That's one of the indicators. When when something just comes to you naturally, when something just comes to you easily, you know that the Holy Spirit is on you and is empowering you to do it. Amen? But stewardship goes way beyond the things that I've just mentioned, ladies and gentlemen. Way beyond. And we're going to be delving into some of those areas today. And I'm hoping that you'll You're expectant. How many of you know that the people in the world are stewarding certain things for the devil? How many of you know that there are financial systems in this world that have been ceded to the enemy? And when certain people make covenants, consciously or unconsciously, with the devil, they're stewarding that money for the devil. Some of you are going to catch this mystery just now. The reason why a lot of unsaved people get certain deals that you don't get is because you've declared that you're a kingdom person. And the unsaved person is willing to negotiate with the devil and be used by the devil to advance the devil's kingdom. Do you know that? That's why you have a lot of musicians that sing rubbish, let's be honest, that sing junk in this hypersexual culture that we are in, and you see that their music is just selling so much, and you listen to it and you're like, why is this guy selling so many albums? Desire sings so much better than him. Why is he selling so many albums, talking junk? And you find, even as a believer, you then go and you're just walking around, you're in that supermarket, and those of you who like music, you begin to start. Mm, 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 mm. And if I'm walking with you, I'll say, Do you know what you're dancing to? Oh, yes. Oh, Pastor, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> are, are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. And you see, these people are stewarding finances in the kingdom of darkness. And the devil gives them more and more as they are faithful with it. That's why, because ultimately God owns everything, when you're a believer, you believe God for wealth transfer. That's why the Bible tells us that I am taking the wealth of the wicked and I'm giving it to the righteous. Is everyone following this morning? But it happens where God can trust you and say, you know what, can you be a steward of this to advance my kingdom? But many Christians are doing just what the world is doing. So it's not in God's interest to increase them. Amen? Amen. If you're the kind of person who sits on the fence concerning some of these things, you never get breakthrough. But if you're the kind of person who has a revelation of sacrificial giving, a revelation of stewardship in the kingdom, a revelation of being a kingdom financier, your life will never be the same. Is everyone following A steward is an individual who has been delegated authority by an owner to oversee possessions, property, and household affairs. And that's why when God blesses you financially, the key thing to say is, Lord, is this for me to eat or is it for me to sow? Is part of it for me to eat? Is part of it for me to sow? Lord, this is yours. How do you want me to faithfully steward it? Let me encourage you with this, don't be the kind of believer that wants to have a big fat bank balance. Rather be the kind of believer that says, you know what, I don't necessarily wanna have a big fat bank account, I just wanna be entrusted, Lord with lots of finances coming through my way. Can you see the difference? And I can tell you right now, as those finances come through your way and you're a conduit for that, there'll be quite a bit left over for you, for your stuff. Can you see the difference with the stewardship mentality? A lot of believers haven't caught on to this. If you catch on to what I'm saying to you this morning, your life will never be the same. And let me just say something. It's the same when it comes to spiritual gifts. The gift is not for you. How many of you are prophetic? The gift is not for you. The mindset is as you walk into church, a church service like this, Lord, have you got a word for someone? Is there someone you want to bless? When you get there into the secret place, when you get into that place of prayer, you're saying, Lord, show me visions, show me dreams, show me things so that I'll be effective in my prayer and I'll pray prophetically over person A, B, C, D. Amen? The gifts are not for you. You want to be a conduit. Is everyone following this morning so how is this concept of stewardship seen in the believers relationship to God the first thing is this God is the owner of all things in Psalm 24 verse 1 it says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein this is so powerful Because you see, when I have this revelation that the earth is the Lord's and all who dwell in it, when I see unsaved people out there, I'm saying, Lord, these are your people. The devil has stolen them, but these are your people. And that's why Jesus says, pray to the Father of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest, that the harvest comes in. It's his harvest. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for believers. He died for everyone. And his desire is that he gets what he paid for. The blood of Jesus is so precious, it paid for everyone, but they have to accept the gift. Are you following this morning? The boldness I have in my prayer life grows when I have this revelation that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. And by the way, when the Bible speaks of the earth, very, or the world, very often the word that's used is cosmos. And that's also talking about the physical earth. So how are we looking after our environment? You can't say I'm a born-again believer, but I don't care about the environment. <laughs> right? Sorry, I was trying to act like I have, I'm on a <laughs> motorbike, for those who didn't catch what I was trying to do. We have to look after our environment, amen? We have to look after our environment. We have to care about the earth. And that's a whole nother topic. In Psalm fifty, verse ten to twelve, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine. Animals. How many of you love animals? I'm just laughing because one of my kids, one of my sons, Jaden, he said, you know what? I think I want to be a vegetarian, you know? And I said, why do you want to be a vegetarian? Don't you think like when God created cows and so on, it, he had it in mind that, you know, we can also eat them and so on? He says, because they're slaughtered. You know, they get slaughtered type of thing. I'm like, how else are you supposed to eat them type of thing? And so, anyway, we were talking like this. And then after the athletics on Saturday, I then, um, I said, okay, guys, I'm going to take you to Steers. And then Daniel was saying to Jaden, like, Oh, Jaden, we're going to Steers. So what are you going to have there, you know? I know they have salads and so on. I'm like, can we get you something vegetarian there at, you know, Steers? He's like, "Uh," because he likes ribs, you see. What are we going to do, Jaden? I think I'm going to start my vegetarian lifestyle on Monday. I'll start on Monday. (laughs) So we'll see what will happen. Anyway... um, (laughs) So God wants us to look after animals. It says, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. Meditate on that. It's so powerful. You see, as the owner of all things, we recognize that God is the giver or the source. If all things belong to him, I want to go to the source when I want to get the stuff. If I'm doing business with an organization... I like talking to the decision makers. I like to figure out who's the decision maker, amen? When you're doing business with an organization, there are different types of buyers. You've got the user, you've got the person in an accounts payable who actually pays you. You know, sometimes everything can be fine and then they say, yeah, it's with finance now, but I still haven't been paid. There's that person who presses the button and you get paid, okay? So I'm interested in all these people, but I'm most interested in the decision maker. I remember dealing with one organization and I needed to ask them something because it was to do with how uh, I was going to, it was a service provider, it was to do with how I was going to pay them. And I was so glad that the owner was sitting over there and I had the conversation with him. Things move quickly when you speak to the owner. When you speak to the junior people, what happens? They're afraid of getting fired. So all they say is, yeah, I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying, but I'll lose my job. You know when people say that? I'll lose my job. And you can see they're more interested in whether they will lose their job or not than in offering you a good service and being flexible. But when the owner is there, it's so powerful. So I don't know about you, but in my prayers, I want to go to the source. And if the Bible is t- showing me that all things belong to God ultimately, I need to figure out how do I get the stuff from him. Amen? So God is the owner of all things. Let's go a little bit deeper. He's the source. James 1, verse 17 to 18, very powerful. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, the Bible shows me that he who finds a wife has found a good thing, right? And it says here, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So when you get yourself a wife, where is it from? Where is she from? From God, right? Who does she belong to? God, right? So when we are applying stewardship, we are also applying it maritally. Are you listening to this mystery, ladies and gentlemen? How many of you gentlemen in this room have been blessed in this way? He who finds a wife has found a good thing. How many of you have been blessed in this way, where you've received a wife from God? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Now, where is she from? She's from God. Who does she belong to? But you know that elsewhere in scripture, it says, husband and wife, you now belong to each other. You don't belong to yourself. What is it talking about? Stewardship. He's blessed you with this wonderful wife. Now you have to be a steward. And guess what happens? It says, till death do us part. So one day when it's over, when one of you dies, hopefully it'll be that situation, one of you dies, guess what? He's going to say, what did you do with the gift I gave you? Are you following me this morning? What did you do with that precious gift that I gave you of this woman? Often, when I do weddings, I say to guys, I say, you know what, we want to check up. Because two years from now, when I ask you, when we look at your wife, she needs to be looking better. She needs to be looking better. Yes, she might have had a few kids and maybe she's put on a few kilos, but generally speaking, she must be looking better. She must be smarter. She must be more confident because of your stewardship. Stewardship is applied across the board. And those of you who are married and you're getting worse as a person, (laughs) you need to ask yourself, like, you know, what's happening on the stewardship front? Amen? There's a mystery there. There's a mystery there. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So that's the first principle, God is the giver or the source. Secondly, God is the one to whom account is given. Because he's the one who gave it, or gave her, or gave him, we have to give an account to him. Amen? That's why in Romans 14, verse 12, it says, So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. And you're not going to be able to blame other people. When you blame someone else or something else, you deny yourself the ability to change. Amen? You won't be able to blame someone else and say, Lord, it was the woman who you gave me, like what Adam said. Imagine with that whole situation, Adam was now blaming his wife. (laughs) God had communicated to Adam, you cannot eat this fruit. Yeah, no, Lord, the woman you gave me, yeah, she... When it comes to being faithful in church... You won't be able to come and say, yeah, no, because the pastor's yeah, No, no one gave me a chance, Lord. Yeah, yeah, no, but you won't be able to do that. I'm going to show you in Scripture. Most people don't accomplish their life purpose, I believe, majorly because they rationalize it away and blame someone else or something else. And then thirdly, God is the rewarder of the one who is faithful. So all things belong to God. He's the source. Secondly, we have to give an account to him. And the third principle of stewardship is that he will reward us. Isn't that wonderful? A lot of Christians have got this thing and it's a type of false humility. I don't know what it is of, no, I'm just doing it. No, there's no reward. No, 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 I don't, no. At least trust God for a reward. Jesus speaks about rewards a lot. Jesus would motivate the disciples by reward. He would say, you know what, do it in secret. Don't look for a reward from man. Look for a reward from the very person who's given you this opportunity. He says, whatever you do in secret, you'll be rewarded in open. Amen? There are things I'm doing right now in secret that no one knows about. And guess what? I am trusting God that at some point I'll be rewarded in open. I'm not stupid. I'm not foolish. I'm not like, Lord, I'm just doing this. Lord, I'm just doing this. No. I'm waiting for my harvest. Amen? There's seeds that we've sown. I'm waiting for the harvest. Can you tell me any farmer who sows seed and then he just says like, uh, no, it's fine. No, we won't even check for the harvest, you know, in harvest time. We won't check. No, that's being proud. We won't check for the harvest. God will bless us in his own time. Uh-uh. In the right season, when it's the season to harvest, I'm, I, I want to get my harvest. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this is so powerful when you really meditate on these scriptures. The believer is a steward, and as a steward, the believer is the receiver. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, For who makes you differ from another, and what do you have that you did not receive? You see, we become proud when we think that what we've got is because of ourselves. Have you noticed that? It says, Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? That's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It's like someone who's got a lot of sponsored gear. How many of you are sportsmen or you know, things have been sponsored? You've received things, and, but it was sponsored. You know those sports people, right? Okay? And they've got all sorts of wonderful stuff, wonderful kit and so on. They'll be foolish to boast, saying, ah, look at my Nikes. Hey, look at my tracksuit. Hey, look, look, look. Hey, I've got all this cool stuff. It was sponsored. You know you have some people where you, you see them and they've got these vehicles and it's branded and you can see like it bears the name of the person who sponsored it. They're not going to get out of that vehicle and be like, ooh, check out my nice ride. Oh, it was sponsored. It bears the name of the sponsor. Here's the exciting thing. As a Christian, I bear Christ's name. That's what the Bible says. As a Christian, you bear Christ's name. So when you now get up and God begins to use you in miracles, in healings, in signs, in wonders, you better be quick to acknowledge who sponsored you. Because if you begin to act like, check me out, check me out, check me out, you are being foolish. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, now if you did indeed receive it, it's almost like he can't get, it. he's not getting it. Why are you guys boasting as if this thing is from you? Can you see how your whole life changes, especially with regards to your level of humility, when you have the revelation that everything you are, everything you've become, everything you have, it's ultimately from Him. You know, when I look at this, I realize that the technology of receiving from heaven is crucial. If the Bible here is saying all these wonderful things have to be received, I need to master the technology of receiving from heaven. And let me just say something. This is where a lot of Christians fail. A lot of Christians don't know how to receive, Do eh? you know that even when we're praying for people here, I can pray as much as I want for an impartation for someone. Do you know that sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and it's not because of me. A lot of times it's because of the person receiving. I'm talking about an impartation. There's some people we've seen, and we've seen, we studied these things, by the way. There's some people where we impart, and they receive so easily, and it's not always by... External manifestation, by the way. They receive so easily, other people struggle. And sometimes we have to coach people, how do you receive from heaven? And when we coach them, we see that, oh, they're now receiving. One of the things that short-circuits the anointing is fear, anxiety. Another thing that short-circuits the anointing is striving. There are times I'm praying for someone here, and I'm just like, receive. Just receive. Be in a posture of receiving. And the person is there. No, no, it's not the time for you to now be interceding. It's the time for you to be receiving. Amen. One of the most important things to learn as a believer is the art of receiving from heaven. Amen. You're accountable and responsible to the owner, and then the one who's rewarded is rewarded for faithfulness. You're not rewarded as a steward for how much you do. This is very important. You're rewarded for your faithfulness to your assignment. So some people go on overdrive. You know those people who who try too hard. So if you are asked by God to do A, B, C, but in your own wisdom you go out and you do E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And then he says, did you do A, B, C? And you have to say, no, I didn't. I did XYZ, FGH. I did so much more than ABC. There's no reward. You're rewarded based on faithfulness to your assignment. Mistake many Christians make they come into a church situation and they feel guilty about the life that they had been living and then they go on overdrive. You know, Christians where they're on steroids, <laughs> spiritual <laughs> steroids, and the pastor is happy. People around them are happy, but heaven is not applauding because stewardship and faithfulness are linked. So my question to you is, what is your assignment and have you been faithful to fulfill it? And by the way, it's not based on how many people praise you. I might have done lots of books, but maybe my assignment was to do more. But just because the people around me aren't doing as many as I'm doing, In fact, coming to think about it, there's a friend of mine who actually WhatsApped me recently and said, like, um, he's publishing 39 books next year. You know, they're all coming out next year. He's published 39 books. Okay, so there are some people. But the point I'm making is it's based on faithfulness to your assignment. And that's why I always say do not compare yourself with the people around you because maybe you're surrounded by average people. Compare yourself with your potential. Compare yourself with your potential. Some of you... Some of you think you are prayer warriors because the people around you don't pray much. You get what I'm saying, right? If you pray half an hour a day and the people around you only pray five minutes a day, you'll think you're a prayer warrior. And that's why I keep saying, expose yourself to greatness. Expose yourself to people who are doing these things at another level. I'm always reading books, listening to... I was about to say tapes, but we don't listen to tapes nowadays, eh? What do we listen to? MP3s. Audiobooks. Yeah, that. CDs. My car doesn't even take CDs anymore. MP3s or MP4s, right? I'm listening to people who are doing things at another level. So I can be proud of myself thinking, oh, I had that night vigil. Oh, I had that ex- those extended hours of prayer that time. And I can think I'm spiritual. I listen, until I didn't, listen, I didn't listen to a guy and he's saying, you know what, guys, I was seeking God's face. Hours turned to days. Days turned to weeks. Weeks turned to months. Now, when you're constantly listening to that kind of thing, you realize that you're just a little baby. Amen? So what are the different realms in which stewardship is to be recognized and practiced. Do you want to hear about that? Okay. A, stewardship involves, first of all, and most importantly, a giving of one's life back to God. That's the first step. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is so powerful. A lot of people are trying to do the reasonable service part, but they haven't actually presented their bodies as a living sacrifice. Do you know that when you're a pastor in a church, the best people to work with are people who've given themselves first to the Lord. Do you remember in Scripture it says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. You see, if you come and you just focus on, let me do acts of service, One day when I come to you and I challenge you about something, you'll be extremely defensive because you haven't yet presented your whole body to the Lord. Is everyone following? I'm I'm, I'm so blessed in this church because so many of the leaders here, what I appreciate about them is they're not defensive for the most part. They're not defensive. The other week, um, Sean, Sean Roberts. Hi, Sean, if you're watching. Sean Roberts was preaching the other Sunday, and I was there, and I was watching him and so on. Powerful message on surrender. I gave him feedback afterwards, and I was about to give him the feedback. He says, please, I love feedback. The more critical you are, the better. It's easy working with people like that. I had lunch the other day with Tso, from also from the Joburg Church. So, if you're watching, I know you are. Love you guys, love you guys, right? Had lunch with him. He he was just craving for feedback. How do you think we're doing? How we. Easy to work with people like that. Amen? And many of you are like that. You present your body first to the Lord. That's your reasonable service. Your reasonable service isn't how many acts of service you do. Amen? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So powerful. B, stewardship involves a wise and honorable use of one's time. Now, there's a whole message I did. It might have been two messages. Whole message I did on a biblical use of time. Do, do some of you remember that? And will it's part of this series, all right? So we're not going to do a repeat of that. But have a look at Psalms 90, verse 10 to 12. It says, 70 years are given to us some may even reach 80 but even the best of these years are filled with pain and trouble <laughs> life can be difficult eh soon they disappear and we are gone who can comprehend the power of your anger your wrath is as awesome as your fear as the fear you deserve now watch this teach us to make the most of our time Some translations might say, teach us, Lord, how to redeem our time, right? Some translations say, teach us how to number our days so that we may grow in wisdom. How do you grow in wisdom? Number your days. Number your days. If there's someone that you admire out there, it might be some corporate leader. If there's someone you admire out there, don't just study their peaks. Don't just study their peaks. Study their daily routine. And I've taught that before, haven't I? I remember one time I was driving with Sipo, younger Sipo, and um, he said to me, so Pastor Paul, what's your daily routine? Are you following? Study their daily routine. The secret to greatness, someone once said, is hidden in your daily routine. You see, the difference between Barack Obama Jacob Zuma, Julius Malema, Paul Nyamoda, (laughs) Tendai Manyumwa. You know what the difference between us is? Our use of time. Every single one of us has been given 24 hours in a day. The difference between us is how we use those 24 hours. I'm amazed by how many people waste their days. When you have a revelation... That, Lord, these 24 hours you've given me are a gift. These 24 hours, they belong to you. How do you want me to use the next 30 minutes? How can I use the next two hours to glorify you the most at optimum level? Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, when you live your life like that, everything changes. Everything changes. You'll find yourself so productive. I always find it amazing people go to these family gatherings with extended family. You know what I'm talking about. And they spend four or five hours there having small talk with people. People they don't even like a lot of the times, right? And then one person plucks up the courage to say they're going. And they always have to have an excuse. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no, I have to fetch my son from soccer. And then everyone else is like, "Oh, am I parking you in? Am I parking you in? Okay, let me also go now. Do you know the question I have is... At what point did all of these people want to leave? Their leaving is only happening five hours later when one person is the first one to do it. At what point did all these people want to leave? So people say to me, Paul, how do you do all the stuff you do? It's because before I go somewhere, I'm already praying, saying, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? And I'm making sure that the people I talk to are the people he's assigned me to talk to. And very often I leave feeling, wow, that was a very good conversation. I helped that person. They helped me. Wow, that was a divine appointment. And if I need to leave after an hour, I leave after an hour. I'm not going to let other people control my use of time because my time belongs to God. And he's a higher authority than whoever else is there that function. Are you hearing me? And it's the same people who are tired on Monday. And you say, didn't you have a weekend? You're not a pastor, are you? You weren't preaching, you weren't doing church activity. So why are you so tired? Oh, you know what? Because I had to do this, and then I had to do this, and then I had to do this. You didn't have to do anything. You're not a lo- little child who's been forced to do everything. Ah oh, no, pastor. But, you know, I want to be a good Makoti, and, you know, I'll be rejected by my family. So your problem isn't them. Your problem is your fear of being rejected by them. You're still bound by man-pleasing spirits. You haven't yet matured in your soul to a place where you're able to have boundaries. Let me tell you something. When you say no to certain people, they learn very quickly, and then they adjust to that. Ah, they'll reject me. They'll think I'm being arrogant because now I'm working at that job, and I've got a good job now. I don't want them to think I'm arrogant. You're not going to be able to say to Jesus one day when he says, so why didn't you do your assignment? But Lord, you know what? Yeah, my husband's family. Yeah. And then that's not going to be an excuse. Because from Jesus' perspective, he's thinking, who's got more authority in your life, your husband's family or me? And that's why he says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, there's certain things he needs to say cheers to. Now, some of you don't want to make that decision. Some of you don't want to make that decision. So on your deathbed, you'll be average. On your deathbed one day, you'll look at your life and you'll think, I was just mediocre. So while I'm saying, cheers, guys, I'm going because I need to go and edit that next book. People are there just speaking rubbish. <laughs> hey, guys, do you want to go now? Yeah, we just need to wait. Well, just show some face, you know, what will they think of us? And then after three weeks, we say, have you done A, B, C, D? Hey, Paul, you know, the demands for my family, the demands for my family. Amen? Don't say yes to everything. And let me just say something else. Let me just say something else. The unprepared person will always be at the mercy of the prepared person. If you haven't got a program for for your weekend, you'll always be on someone else's program. And ultimately, you'll always be making other people rich. Because a lot of their programs make money for them, not for you. I just wanted to throw that in a bit. <laughs> Jesus had boundaries, ladies and gentlemen. The people come. the crowds are following you, Jesus. The crowds want you. What would he say? Let's get on this boat. Let's go to the other side. Why? Because that town needs to hear. That town also needs to hear my message. Jesus was mission-minded, not need-minded. Amen? Amen? To be a faithful steward, you have to be mission-minded. Here's the question I have for you. What are you doing right now that is not God's burden for you? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What are you carrying right now that is not God's burden for you? It's a burden you've placed on yourself. What are you doing? I'm trying to free you up so that you're a faithful steward of whatever God has given you. C. Stewardship involves a wise investment and cultivation of individual talents and abilities. We're going to go deep into that shortly. Let me just say something. Your personal development is the best gift you can give the people around you. So for a lot of us, it's difficult to say, I can't have a meeting with you because I need some me time. It's easy to say, oh, Tendai, I can't meet with you because I'm meeting with Paul. Can you see where I'm going? We respect other people's time, but we don't respect our own time. My question to you is, do you respect the appointments you make with yourself? Are you able to say, sorry, I can't do A, B, C, D, because you know what? I need to read that book that Pastor Paul recommended. Why? A priority of yours is personal development. Amen? And you want to develop yourself so that you can be faithful with the gifts and talents God has given you. You see, God gives us gifts and talents, doesn't he? He gives them to us. But you know that he can give one portion to this person and two portions to this person. But the person who's received two portions, he doesn't develop himself. So he stays at a certain level. The person who received one portion of that talent, we see them functioning at a great level. And we think, she's so gifted. She's so gifted. No. She wasn't actually naturally gifted. But she was so faithful to maximize on the gift that she got. Amen. My wife is is doing well in her triathlons, isn't she? She comes from a very strong swimming background. So the area of great gifting is her swimming. But the running and the cycling, it's because she's mentally strong. And she's applied herself. And week in, week out, she trains. Week in, week out, she trains. Week in, week out, she trains. And now when you look at her time, when when it comes to her running... She's improving. She's running faster than she's ever run before, yet you know you know what age she is. I'm not allowed to say her age, but you know the age she is. Are you following me? But what do other people do? They're there just, oh man, you're so gifted. You're so talented. No, she got a measure of talent and gift, but she's been faithful with maximizing it. Many of us who were great athletes at school, who were were naturally talented... What are we doing with that? Are you hearing me this morning? Stewardship involves a proper understanding and use of one's possessions. In Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not going to add anything. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what I've realized? Many Christians are too attached to the things that they have. Do you know how you detach from the things that you think you own? Stewardship mentality. There's a great pastor friend of mine, and one of the things he would do with his family, he would say, whenever we grew too attached to some of the things that we have, we would actually give them away. We would give them away, because it means those things are becoming idols. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. In Colossians 3, 1 to 4, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So where should we set our minds? There's a powerful book by John Bevere. Some of you might have read it, Driven by Eternity. Some of you might have listened to his message on that, Driven by Eternity. Everything changes in your life where you look at life from heaven's perspective. What's the thing you're seeking most? Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Are you seeking first his kingdom, or are you seeking the things that you want added? Let's be honest now. That word seek, when it's talking about seeking first the kingdom, one of the meanings is desire. So it's basically desire first. Desire, what was desire Desire. first the kingdom before you desire all these other things. My question to you is, is your desire for the kingdom more than your desire for food, than your desire for your soccer team, than your desire for fashion? Nothing wrong with fashion. Nothing wrong with liking nice clothes. Desire first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Are you hearing me this morning? Now... Let's go a bit deeper. When you look at that word seek, it also has another meaning. It also speaks of searching and investigating until a man a matter is resolved. So when we talk about seeking first the kingdom, we're also talking about researching and investigating kingdom mysteries. Lord, there seems to be something about giving and it comes back to me. It seems to be a kingdom principle. Let me investigate that until the matter is resolved. So a person who seeks first the kingdom does a lot of reading. A person who seeks first the kingdom does a lot of question asking. They ask a lot of questions because they want to resolve mysteries of the kingdom. Amen? I find it amazing how a lot of people do a lot of research on all sorts of things that aren't that important. You see them there, anything, oh let me google it. Oh, let me Google it. But how much do they put that effort into investigating the things of the kingdom? Amen. Stewardship involves a careful and purposeful use of all financial resources. A careful and purposeful use of all financial resources. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8, it says, But this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Such a powerful scripture. Are you a conduit of God's glory? Are you a conduit of the great stuff he wants to flow through you? I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that there's nothing blocking. There's nothing blocking what God wants to flow through me. You say, why aren't I being used by God? Why aren't I being used by God? See yourself as a conduit. See yourself as a pipe where the Holy Spirit wants His grace, where God wants His grace to flow through you. And instead of wondering, why isn't God using me, why isn't God using me, clean up the pipe so that the flow is there. Amen? Because the flow isn't from you, the flow is from Him. Is everyone following? Sometimes that's why we're not used by God. Sometimes that's why the power of God doesn't flow through us. It's not God. If you, if you open your tap, those of you who bath, how many of you are bathers here? I know there's some people who are bathers and some people are showerers. How many of you are bathers? Okay. One or two guys also, hey? That's nice. That's all. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. Right? But when you, when you open that hot water tap and that cold water tap, you get concerned if only a little bit is coming out, Right? You've opened it full blast, but hardly anything is coming out. Do you then think to yourself, there's something wrong. What's wrong with the water supply? No, you know you need to bring in a plumber to fix that pipe. Is everyone following? What's your pipe like? What are you like as a conduit, ladies and gentlemen? There's nothing wrong with God. He wants to use you. He wants to flow through you. And here's the interesting thing, it's the same when it comes to finances. How many of you are in a space in your life where you're saying, Lord, I want to give more, I want to bless these people, but I don't have, I don't have. You don't have to raise your hand. But here's the key thing, it's not always about God, because God has got lots. I want him to flow through me. I want him to flow through me. What's the definition of Christian shu- stewardship? Stewardship is the practice of systematic and proportionate giving of time, abilities, and material possessions based on the conviction that these are a trust from God to be used in his service for the benefit of his kingdom. Isn't that powerful? It's a divine and human partnership with God as the senior partner, not junior partner. You know, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like He's our junior partner. Holy Spirit, I'm doing this. Can you back me up? Holy Spirit, I'm doing this. Please back me. Please rubber stamp what I want to do. He's the senior partner. Okay? It is a way of living, the recognition of God's ownership of one's person, one's powers, and possessions, And the faithful use of these for the advancement of Christ's kingdom in this world. I think it's landed, right? I think we all understand stewardship. Let me begin to land this message. So what truths did Jesus emphasize when he was teaching on stewardship? I want to share with you a particular parable that Jesus shared. It's Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read through it quickly because a lot of us know this particular parable but we get a lot of principles from it. Matthew 25, I'm going to read from verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. When he says it will be like, what is he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom. He's describing the kingdom. It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Each according to his ability. So, when God gives you a certain measure of grace, he's recognizing what you can handle. Don't compare yourself with other people around you. How come they got that? Maybe God knows he can elevate that person and that person's character won't be destroyed in the process. But he knows that if he gives you now that five million, that ten million, he knows you'll go ballistic, you'll go crazy. Let's be honest. So our job is to show God that, God, you can give me more. My character can handle it right now. And if your character hasn't handled little, it won't handle a lot. Amen? Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So I want to increase my ability so that God trusts me with more. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, and this was lots, eh? When it talks about the talents and so on, when you actually study it, it was lots. Go and study it, right? The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. You know what the sad thing is? This guy probably thought he was doing a good thing. This guy probably thought with his false humility, let me look after it for my master. But remember, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is like this. (laughs) This is the sad thing. Many people who don't accomplish and fulfill their assignments, they've always got a reason for it. Have you noticed that? I know with all these kids I have, I'm busy as a mother. Ah, no, God understands because, you know, the church I go to, they don't really teach those things. You are accountable. You can't blame someone else. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The judgment seat of Christ. God is looking and he's going to ask those questions. He might not have asked you last week. He might not have asked you this week. But at some point, he says, yeah, after a long time at some point he's going to come and say, those gifts and those talents that I gave you, what did you do? Or from where I come from, how far? So how far? The worst thing is when you say to someone, how far? And you see that they... I don't understand the tongues you speak. How far? I don't understand what you're saying. How far? You're not going to be able to blame someone else. Amen? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. How many of you want to be promoted at work? Maybe stop praying for promotion and say, Lord, can you help me with my faithfulness at this level? Maybe stop griping and complaining, saying, how come they've promoted this one and they've promoted that one? And put more energy into faithfulness at your current level. And then you'll see yourself skipping levels because God is the source of promotion. Some of you have read my book, The Technology of Spiritual Promotion. Very powerful stuff I explained there because God is the source of promotion. God is the one who said, I'm the one who raises up one and puts down another. So if he's the promoter, I want to figure out how does he think? How does he think? What's the technology of spiritual promotion? Because he's the one who promotes me. And the good news is you cannot demote that which God has promoted. It doesn't matter what country you are. If God is raising you up, he's raising you up. No one can put you down. Amen? Ah, pastor, the way you guys do things in the church—I knew because self-righteousness, right? I know you are a hard—I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. How many of you are not fulfilling God's call on your life because of fear? Here's 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 kingdom principle: fear is no excuse. This guy was being honest about his fear. He was probably correct. I was afraid. But look at the master's response. He says, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And he thinks he's doing his master a favor. See, I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. I'm still a good Christian. And what does the master say? His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. I find it very fascinating that this guy said the reason was fear. The master says, you're wicked and lazy. One of the chief reasons a lot of people don't fulfill their destiny is because it's easier talking rubbish and socializing than doing God's assignment. Laziness. Let's call it what it is. Amen? So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have, I would have received it back with interest. In other words, he's basically saying, you should have stepped down and asked someone else who will grow this thing to grow it because I'm interested in the return. Amen. So take, the bag of, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. The principles we get from this parable is that if we do not use what God has given us, we will lose it. Principle number two, God expects us to use our talents to bring increase to His kingdom. Not another kingdom, His kingdom. Principle number three, God expects us to use great wisdom as we use our talents. Principle number four, we're responsible, we are responsible to become all that God has made it possible for us to become in Christ. We are responsible. Principle number five, even though God does not appear to be giving direct oversight to what we are doing, there will be a day of reckoning where he will say, how far? Next principle, the industrious will be rewarded by God. Next principle, the wicked and slothful and lazy will be judged by the Lord. And the last principle, if you are faithful with natural things, God will also give you greater weight and greater responsibility, even for spiritual things. Amen. Now, what I want to do is, I want to encourage you to look at these notes because there's a whole section uh, and an appendix that goes, goes with these notes, especially around finances and especially around the tithe in particular. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you. Some of you, God has called to be kingdom financiers, to finance the kingdom. Amen. I'm, to, I'm not talking about tithing. The tithe, it's a given. We believe in that. But in the New Testament, we go to another dimension of giving. If you want to understand New Testament giving, the Bible talks about how we must give cheerfully. Amen? The Bible talks about New Testament giving. We have to give cheerfully. Amen? Right? We have to give generously. You'll see the scriptures for this. We have to give willingly. We have to give proportionately. We have to give lovingly. We have to give um, thankfully. And we have to give sacrificially, and we have to give as unto the Lord. We know those scriptures. But I want to challenge you this morning. There's some of you that God wants to take to another level. And if that's you, I'm talking specifically in terms of giving. At some point during the week, send me a message. Send me a message. If you're that person who's saying, you know what, I'm already a tither. If you don't tithe, then let's not, we won't even start the conversation. You're saying, I'm already a tither, and from time to time I give offerings. But I believe that God has specifically called me to be a kingdom financier. And I'm not talking about five years down the line, because that's theory. I'm talking about now, like this year in this time. And you're saying, Pastor, I want you to stand in agreement with me because this is what I want to do. Are you following? I'm called to be a kingdom financier. Do you know what kingdom financiers do? They give sacrificially. When they start businesses, their mindset is, the money that comes from this particular client, it's, it's as unto the Lord. We want to find out what's the vision of the church. What are your plans in this next year? Are you, are you hearing me? What are your plans in this next year? And we want to contribute towards that. That's one of the things kingdom financiers do. You see, a lot of people who become wealthy, please listen very carefully, a lot of people who become wealthy, they deceive themselves because they measure their giving by the amount, not the percentage of what God has given them. Are you following me? Come on, and many of us have been there. You start earning more and you tithe, and you kind of think to yourself, this is actually making quite a big difference to the church. But the Lord has challenged me and said, Paul, you know what? You might have tithed X amount, and, but it was just 10%. But that other person over there who doesn't earn that much, they gave 12%. They've given more than you. Are you following me this morning? A lot of times people become very wealthy, and just 2% of their income can cover an entire church budget. Are you following? And they can con themselves thinking, I'm such a giver, I'm such a giver. Before God, heaven is not applauding. And that's why I'm closing with this scripture. Jesus said something so powerful, and when he said it, he was actually endorsing sacrificial giving. In Mark 12, verse 41 to 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came. And threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty put in all she had, her whole livelihood. There are many people who press pause on tithing. They're like, hey, but if, if I give this, I won't have any transport money this week. But Lord, I know it's my tithe, and they give it. There are other people who give out of the surplus. And they don't, they don't think twice about it, but it's just 2% of their income. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm saying this for your own sake so that you don't deceive yourself when you do those EFTs and you call it a tithe, but it's not actually 10%. Call it an offering when you give. A tithe is 10%. Are you hearing me? That's what tithe means. Some of you don't know that. Tithe is 10%. New Testament, we're saying, God, we are tithers, but we're now in the realm of stewardship. And guess what ends up happening? The person who's faithful in that stewardship as a kingdom financier, we look at the trajectory of their life and we see them just going up and up and up and up. And we're like, God, how come? They're business people today who have this revelation, and you see church buildings done just like that. Some of you look at some of these churches and you're like, how do they do that? The senior pastor is in partnership with certain people who have a revelation that churches will grow not, not just based on tithes and offerings. Churches will grow and develop when kingdom financiers have that revelation, and watch what happens. So if any of you have that revelation and you know God has called you to that, just talk to me. Talk to me privately. It's not something we'll announce because we don't want to create classes of people in church. Everyone who gives, God sees it. Amen? Amen. Stewardship. Let's pray. Maybe you are here this morning and this message has spoken to you Beyond even the words that I've spoken, the Holy Spirit is doing a deep work in you. And you feel convicted in terms of this stewardship thing. And you're saying, I want to let go of the ownership of my life. And I want to embrace the fact that everything I am belongs to God. As I say the different categories, I want you to stand... And then I want to pray with you. You're saying, Pastor, I want to dedicate my body. I want to dedicate my body because I recognize that it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just stand where you are. I want to dedicate my body. Maybe you're a single person and there's been temptation in this area. Maybe you've sinned in the past, but you're now saying, you know what? I'm giving my physical body to the Lord to honor Him. Just stand where you are. Maybe you haven't yet sinned, but you want to make that commitment and you're saying, you know what? God, my body belongs to you. I want to keep myself until I'm married. Stand where you are, please. Maybe you want to dedicate your mind to the Lord, your imagination. You want to use your intellect for God's glory. That's one of the principles of stewardship. Whatever gift you have, you want to use it for God's glory. That's why the Bible says, if anyone teaches, let him teach the word of God. If anyone is gifted in a particular area, let him do it as unto the Lord. Maybe your use of time has been suffering, and you're saying, God, today I dedicate every day to you. My use of time to you. God, I want to have this mindset that says, the next 30 minutes, I want to do it as worship unto the Lord. You waste a lot of time. You've got lots of time wasters. Maybe you're the kind of person who goes to all sorts of functions as a man pleaser. Instead of actually saying, God, do you want me there or do you not want me there? God, do I have to go to that funeral or not? I want you to stand. You're saying, I'm dedicating my time To the Lord, my use of time to the Lord. Maybe it's in the realm of your talent and your gifts, and you're saying, God, you've gifted me. Maybe you've been gifted as a rapper or rap for Jesus. Maybe you've been gifted as a songwriter, write songs that glorify God. They might not always be gospel, so called gospel, but they glorify God. They're wholesome. Don't make a covenant with the devil and start putting out dubious stuff. Yes, you might make a lot of money, but you've sold your soul. You've sold your soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And finally, maybe you're in a space where you're saying, God, I wanna make lots of money but I want to do it as a kingdom financier. I want to do it to your honor and to your glory, not my own glory, not worthless things. I want to seek first the kingdom. I want to investigate how to be a kingdom financier. That's you. Stand where you are. I want to pray for everyone here. I want to pray for you now. Father, thank you for these people. You see how they've responded to you. They've recognized that they belong to you. These are your people, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that your grace will be released in the very areas they've responded in. That abundant grace will be released. And the spirit of knowledge will be activated in their lives in these areas, Lord God. That they'll gain understanding. Your people will gain understanding in these dimensions of stewardship. I bless them right now. In Jesus' mighty name, and the people of God said, amen. Hey E family, online family, that was a great message wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well if you enjoyed that message click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.